Welcome back everyone to Coffee with Kojo. This is your student host Anna Poole and today I have Alex Farber with me. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and why you chose SDSU? Yes, so hello. So happy uh, to be on the podcast today. I am from Britain, South Dakota, and so I come from a long line of jackrabbits. My grandpa went to SDSU, though he didn't graduate, went back to the farm. My dad continued the legacy, my brothers after that. So I grew up going to SDSU, but like the typical family, I didn't go to watch sports. My family was a theater family. So my entire childhood, we were taking treks to Brookings to watch all of the plays and musical productions, uh, especially when my oldest brother was in college and studied theater. So grew up on campus, knew I was going to go there, didn't tour SDSU or anywhere else. So kind of just took took the plunge uh, and was very glad I did. So that was kind of how I ended up at SDSU and loved it. And now I'm a very passionate and faithful alum. So that was kind of my, my journey uh, to SDSU. There was really never a question. So... <laughs> Alex just knew that SDSU was a place to be. And of course, as, as a current student, I would have to agree. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about what you studied at SDSU and then also why you chose to continue your education here? Yes. So I studied, well, I came in as a theater major and an advertising major. And I knew I was never destined for Broadway. But as I said, I kind of grew up loving the theater realm and thinking, okay, like maybe I could work in marketing or PR, like for theater production somewhere. And back at that time, we had a nice little 109 entry course. And I landed in the theater and communication studies 109 intro to college type course. And over time, I just realized that my seat was scooching closer and closer and closer to the communication studies side of the room. And when I decided finally that I was going to drop my theater major, my instructor at the time, Barb Kleinjohn, really encouraged me to not just kind of leave theater behind and go straight into advertising only, um, but to add communication studies. And it was the perfect combo for me. I loved the strategic and creative element of advertising. I was never going to be a graphic designer. I don't have the execution, uh, but I have kind of the thoughts there. Uh, and I just loved being able to kind of harness both halves of my brain with advertising. I was in my high school yearbook. So I just kind of liked all of those kind of strategic layout, how to make the message clear and concise and um, kind of match the audience. But then the other half was that I loved talking to people. I loved getting up in front of a classroom and presenting. That was very comfortable for me. I had done um, oral interpretation throughout high school. So communication studies really came alongside that introduced me a lot to a lot of research elements, um, theoretical application. So it was kind of just like my sweet spot was those two programs put together. So then by the time I was a senior, maybe I was a junior, it all gets a little fuzzy, like once you get past age 25, um, there was kind of the announcement that uh, the School of Communication and Journalism was going to come together very exciting. I was the only student at the time that had a foot in each lane and a major in each program. So I got to be a part of the board that helped kind of establish a lot of that groundwork, did the interviewing um, for the, the new head of the school. It was very cool at the time. 
um, felt very passionate about it. And seeing my two majors come together was so impactful for me. I was so excited for future Jackrabbits to come. And at that time, that was also when they made the shift for the master's program to um, be the um, kind of combo communication and media studies as well. So my wheels were kind of turning. I really thought I wanted to land in higher ed at the time. And so I decided to stay at SDSU, learn more about being in the higher ed space and teaching at the collegiate level. So I became a GTA and got my master's with SDSU, taught four sections of, or four semesters of Speech 101 and absolutely loved it. But of course the pandemic came, kind of changed the landscape, changed higher ed. And I just had this kind of yearning for um, the agency world as well. And I knew that even if I wanted to land back in higher ed someday, um, because I really do love it, I think college is the most magical and impactful time. I'm not going to say the best time of your life because life is pretty good post-grad <laughs> as well. Um, but college is a magical time. I will absolutely say that. And I loved being a part of college students' journeys. So I think maybe someday I'll land back in higher ed. But I knew I wanted to have that agency experience uh, to go back to the classroom someday, knowing that I had been there, boots on the ground, making decisions in the digital marketing landscape, understanding that, living that, breathing that. Um, so that's kind of my journey thus far. I feel like that was a lot of questions all conglomerated into one answer, but hopefully that kind of gives the background story. No, I think it's great. I, um, since I've been a student, communication and journalism, journalism has always been together. So I didn't realize how recent that change had been, but mm -hmm. it definitely has a positive impact in my opinion. So that's great that you were able to be a part of that change and just see mm -hmm. the impact and wow, just getting mm -hmm. to be at the start of it all. Um, so you talked about potentially going back later to higher education, but you're currently working full-time, not in higher ed. So could you tell us about what you're doing for work right now, um, that process to get from your master's to a full-time position? Yeah. So before I do that, let me back up a little in my story. I, during my undergraduate years, I dreamed of interning at Lemonly. Lemonly is an infographic agency here in Sioux Falls. And during my undergrad time, that was my dream place to work. I just really admired their work, their output, um, their culture, et cetera. So when I was finishing my undergrad, I thought, wow, this is so nice. I get a little extra time to still do an internship. So I did an internship between my two years of grad school. So a little bit different. I did an internship during my undergraduate years as well, just in-house um, at the South Dakota Art Museum but I wanted that agency experience. So I was an intern in the summer of 2020, a wild time. There was two of us interns and the CEO in the office and everyone else was at home, but it was a good time and a great learning experience. And so I was an intern at Lemonly and I loved it. Um, I started as copywriting and project management and slowly over time really found my niche was in the project management, understanding how to be kind of that liaison between the client and the team and make sure the team was set up for success to make the magic happen on time, on budget, et cetera. So I had a verbal offer that I was gonna come back when grad school was done. I was so excited. I was like, wow, that just took a big lift off my plate. I don't have to worry about you know, applying and all the stress, it was great. Well then during the second year of my graduate program, Lemonly got acquired by ClickRain here in Sioux Falls. 
So of course, which led to a call from the CEO saying, I'm so sorry, but like your verbal offer is no longer valid because I don't run the company. So luckily at the time there had been an application, um, they were seeking a new account coordinator on the ClickRain team. And I said, you know what, if they bought Lemonly, they've got the good stuff. So I will apply there. And I think that that was one little instance where exactly what was meant to happen happened. So I applied and went through the full process at ClickRain. And I started actually part-time in March as I was finishing my master's degree, going full-time in May and moving to Sioux Falls from Brookings. So I started at ClickRain as an account coordinator. So a little bit about ClickRain. Um, obviously now we have ClickRain Inc. is kind of the parent umbrella and Lemonly exists as its own agency kind of within that parent umbrella. But I'm on the ClickRain side, which is a full service digital marketing agency. We work primarily with clients in the region, um, helping them achieve their digital marketing goals. So whether that is through website projects, campaigns, partnerships that go over, you know, an entire year with planning uh, that flows throughout. So I have a variety of clients, both small, medium, and large, which really keeps things interesting. So my client load has shifted a little bit over the years, but I'll give you the, the insight that uh, my favorite client currently is South Dakota State University. So have really loved working uh, on all things SDSU and recruiting future Jackrabbits. So some things do really come full circle. So I was promoted, oh man, a year ago, a year and a half ago uh, to an associate account executive, which kind of just elevates me to that next kind of rung of our little ladder. So now I work with some clients independently and I don't have any other members of the account team kind of on those accounts with me. So some of those smaller or medium accounts, I run those from an external and internal perspective, Whereas some of my accounts, I'm still acting as support for the larger accounts with the account executive, playing a more strategic role in our project management workflows and managing just some of the day-to-day -day comms. So kind of that nice sweet spot where I'm getting to lean in and be, in the, be the executive, be the main touch point um, for some of my clients, but still supporting some of the other um, AEs on the team as well. So it's been awesome. Very nice. So you get quite the variety of clients then. Um, yes. Talked about variety in size. What's the kind of variety in um, like type of client or type mm -hmm. of industry they're in? Yeah. So ClickRain does not have a niche into any one sort of client, which I think keeps work very interesting and engaging and always trying to find new solutions that work towards their goals. So I have some B2B clients that are working in kind of the industrial um, digital transformation space. So elevating factories and plants to make them more efficient technology-wise, very different from a higher education client or a healthcare client. So I work with a large healthcare system, helping them to um, promote various services throughout different times of the year, um, encouraging people to get their general checkups, um, those kinds of things. Uh, so I work with healthcare, higher education, um, kind of that uh, industrial technology. I work with a couple um, smaller like foundation type clients. So really searching for that kind of like lead generation uh, in terms of donations or even just first party data to get more and more people on their email list so that they're in the loop with what's happening. So 
a big variety, which really keeps things interesting and is honestly the reason that I like working at an agency. I think working in-house is awesome. You get to go really deep for one very specific um, service or product that you're marketing. Uh, but for right now, agency has been really great for me to have those kind of quick pivots uh, and to kind of be able to exercise my brain in all different types of ways um, has been really fitting for kind of what I was looking for, especially as I was starting my industry post higher ed career. So it's been really great. I've grown a lot in my time at ClickRain for sure. Sounds like you're taking a jack of all trades approach, getting to see a little bit of everything, but always getting to see something different and exciting. And I love that you were, use the word magical and magic all the time. I think <laughs> it just adds another element and shows that you're really passionate about what you're doing. Definitely. I think that for a long time when I was younger, I was like, man, like what, where, where's my fit in digital, digital marketing? Um, I was a social media kid and that was my true start was that when Instagram came out, like I was there, first Instagram username, keep calm and sparkles. That's really embarrassing and highly dates me. Um, thank goodness that changed very quickly. But I was a social media kid, so I loved it. I was the type of teenager that was watching the Super Bowl for the commercials. So it was just really aligning with kind of like where my interests and excitement were in both my personal life and my schoolwork, all that kind of thing. So it all just really flowed together nicely. And I think that's a big piece of advice that I have for students that are studying something in the digital marketing, advertising, communication kind of landscape is that you will find your spot by trying everything and figuring out what are the things you don't like versus the things you do. I wish I could be an analytics guru. But Heather Solberg would tell you that that was not my strongest class, okay? Like that media analytics class, that was a rough one for me. And now I know when I need to tap the right people on my team to bring in that expertise and they love it. They love digging into the data. They love understanding the analytics and making the tracking happen so that we understand exactly the actions that a user was taking. But that wasn't for me. But I can handle when the client asks us a specific question how to kind of translate that to the team and deliver them with the answer that they're looking for. So don't get discouraged uh, is, a, is a big thing. I think that was one thing that um, I kind of leaned into my communication studies side some in my undergrad until my senior capstone. And that was when I really started to feel like, oh, I'm getting it now. I see you know, where my skills align and my passions align um, with kind of the advertising half. So keep the faith. You're there for a reason. That's what I think. <laughs> Great advice. Um, I also wish I liked analytics and just could understand them as well as some of my friends do, but like yourself, that's just not the spot for me. It's great for other people, not for us. <laughs> and you talked a little bit about translating information from clients to the rest of your team. What's it like translating that information and building relationships between two parties, clients, and the rest of your team that don't necessarily interact on a regular basis? Totally. I feel like the word that I use most to describe my role is liaison, which is a word that I never really would have thought when I was, you know, your age being like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And then, you know, um, but I really think that that's the best way to describe is that I'm a liaison between the client and the team. So ClickRain is a people-centered agency. So I'll just touch on this 
really quick. Basically meaning that everything we do, we want people to feel like they can be their truest selves, they can be cared for, they can have work-life balance, um, and really that we put people and their well-being at the center of everything we do. Um, for a long time, the agency world got a really bad rep, but nothing at ClickRain feels like Mad Men, I promise. Um, so we at ClickRain have this mentality of like, when people are equipped to be their best selves, they bring the best work possible. So in being people-centered and being that liaison between the client and the team, it's finding out how do I make sure that I put the client at the center when they really need to be, which let's be honest, is a lot of the time, um, but also making sure that my team's boundaries are respected, making sure that my team is set up for success in terms of details that we receive from the client, in terms of the timeline that I'm creating for them to accomplish their work, um, but at the same time honoring what the client's goals are. So even thinking if a client is saying, hey, I wanna launch this campaign in four weeks, I say, absolutely, I'm gonna do what I can uh, to make that happen, but that's a tight timeline for our team. So let me chat with the team, look at our team's capacity for the next few weeks and see how we can find a balance to make that happen. So when we get those types of requests, it's really finding out, um, that's my piece of the puzzle. So I would say in terms of being a, being a liaison, it's managing the communication, but I'm also a problem solver in terms of these pieces of the puzzle are coming to me from the internal team, what we can accomplish, when, how much time they have, what other things are in their queue from their other clients, as well as the puzzle pieces from the client saying, this is what we want to do. This is who we want to target. This is how much money we have. And this is when we would ideally like to get it in the market. So finding out how we can kind of lay all those puzzle pieces. And sometimes that means coming back to a client and saying, hey, I took a look and it's actually going to be more like a six-week turnaround, um, just given that our team has a lot of things in the queue. Does that still work for your team? Uh, if not, like, let's take another look and see. And usually the client will say something like, absolutely, four weeks was a tight turnaround. It was going to put a crunch on our team. Six weeks sounds great. Um, and I would say for the most part, our clients are planning much, much further in advance than that, but for the sake of the example. Um, meanwhile, our team might say, oh my gosh, absolutely. Like our writers are actually have um, a capacity to get started next week. Um, is there any way that, you know, we can start kind of writing that strategy, thinking through that messaging, things like that. So probably poor example, but good explanation of some of the things that I manage on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so going back to being people-centered, it's really finding that balance between keeping our clients happy and satisfied with both the project and the journey, but also the successes at the end, and then managing the team so the team feels good showing up to work each day, knowing that their plate is full with amazing work that they are passionate about, but that they are not overwhelmed and feeling like when they are done for the day, all they do is spin their wheels on things that are to come. So I think that that has been one of the most beautiful things um, about my professional career is that I have never felt where I am put in a position where I'm like chipping away at my life outside of work um, to be better at work, but more supported that they want me to show up to work as my best self, um, which allows me to, to be that liaison and to be that kind of puzzle shifter, if you will. <laughs>
the the analogy of a puzzle and making all the different pieces put together really gave my mind a nice image of the kind of work you're doing and how many different aspects you have to consider to get a good full picture that's going to support everyone involved with the project. So great analogy. Lots of variables. Explanations. Um, what, so you talked a little bit about your example, how it's probably not as realistic as what's going on at work, but provides a good explanation. Are there some really great examples when the team has all come together for an amazing project or sometimes when there's a little bit more problem solving that was needed to resolve the issues? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's start with a great example first. Um, our SDSU partnership, we are currently in year two, finishing year two and planning for year three. And year two was such an amazing time of growth. And in the agency world, it's pretty typical for clients to change agencies every five or so years. Pretty popular for large entities to put out RFPs and kind of make pivots. Um, so we secured the contract with SDSU for three years. So that first year was a big learning curve year. And I think that we executed amazing work, but it was definitely a larger lift on our team. And we were all just kind of learning the ins and outs. And so year two for me, and of course it's still sort of in progress, but was a huge success in terms of our team managing production timelines. We execute five very large campaigns um, for SDSU. And so finding ways to kind of have those production timelines all overlap and still not overwhelm our amazing contacts at state who are also managing a lot of factors internally, running things up the flagpole, approving creative, um, getting their head deep in the messaging and the nitty gritty with us. Um, so that was a big success. And then for me, um, the real success comes when I get to see my team do reporting uh, on the efforts. So I love all of the work that goes into our creative deliverables, but great creative is best when it performs best. So it's been awesome this year to see our amazing marketing and media team folks when they're reporting on things and showing the analytics and the tracking that has implemented to show us exactly what future jackrabbits are clicking on, engaging with, what's driving them to apply, um, what content is the most valuable to them. So that is really when I feel successful is when I get to be quiet in a meeting and I get to see my team shine, showing the amazing results that are um, that are their baby, you know, to share, to talk through, but are really the collaborative effort of me, of the designers, the writers, the strategists, everyone coming together. So while we don't have any amazing end of campaign metrics quite yet um, that I could share or anything, just know that our marketing efforts this year have been going really well and um, have put us in a really good position to go into year three using all of that data to inform our decisions even further. Um, and of course, as a Jackrabbit alum times two undergrad, one master's, like nothing makes my heart filled with more joy and happiness. Um, secondary to that is being the uh, partner uh, for the university for their marketing efforts is that 
We also get to work with other on-campus entities to help kind of boost their marketing presence. So making sure that our greater five campaigns that are more blanket reaching 16 and 17 year olds kind of all through our key markets can also be added another layer if a specific campus entity says, hey, we want students in these areas to also consider our major or our program or our department or our school. And so we can have that kind of use the, the phrase blue thread when we're talking SDSU, um, but connecting all of the creative together so that it aligns and a student feels like they are seeing SDSU everywhere. SDSU is on their social feeds, it's in their Snapchat ads, it's showing as they're scrolling, uh, and they're feeling like, wow, SDSU is everywhere, but in reality, we are uniquely targeting those students that we say, we think that you have what it takes to become a jackrabbit, um, and specific colleges or departments also want you to consider their major um, when you go and follow through and hit that apply button. So seeing how we've been able to kind of layer marketing efforts has been really awesome, feeling like we know that SDSU is never competing with itself. That, you know, I'm just going to give fake examples here, but if the College of EHS is putting out um, marketing materials that they're not competing against the College of Engineering, but instead we have the kind of greater macro view to make sure students are feeling like they're getting all of this good messaging, but we're not fighting with ourselves, which makes the most effective use of their budget and everything aligns visually. Um, so that has just been really gratifying to feel like I've gotten to see a big macro view and a large impact uh, on the university level in just a different scale. SDSU obviously is such a large entity that some of my clients have smaller budgets, smaller targeting goals, et cetera. SCSU, like, it's a big deal. We're a big deal, guys. Um, and so it's been really rewarding to see all of those pieces fall into place. So while everything doesn't go perfectly um, on a day-to-day -day level, everyone, you know, makes, makes errors. But being part of that people-centered element is knowing that we've got a full team assigned. Um, so it's never just on any one person. Um, our team is amazing and they are so highly skilled and uh, passionate about their work. So working on SDSU in general and working on SDSU in year two, as we've really elevated all of our processes and um, kind of that marketing landscape for things has been really, really rewarding. So that was an extremely long answer to just brag about my amazing team, but I will take that any day. So I mean, anytime you want to brag about SDSU, <laughs> it's a great day. Of course, of course, absolutely. Um, I would say oppositely, sometimes when it's a challenge is we have a, a little phrase here sometimes is that clients are clients and, and they do client things. And sometimes that means timelines shift or things change. But the best, re the best way I can describe that that phrase is good is that like we neither give it a good nor bad connotation is that we just know that things change for our clients and in order to like put them at the center, but also putting our team at the center, it's figuring out where's that kind of happy medium um, where we can still help a client accomplish their goals. But at the same time, like we're not going to put added stress or have our team work over 40 hours a week 
um, to make things happen, but instead we might just make some internal shifts uh, to things. We might push back on a client and say like, thanks so much. So glad you got those details to us. We're just a couple of days behind where we would have ideally been. So the timeline may have to shift a bit. Once I have a view into what that looks like, I'll be transparent with you about what dates we're looking at. So I feel like because we have good relationships with our clients and good relationships with our team, that we come at those kind of challenges with a real essence of honesty and transparency uh, into what is going to ultimately make our teams the most successful. So of course, there's give and take both ways. Sometimes um, we have to give a little and sometimes we have to say we need to take our take our time on this one a little bit. So I think that's where my communication studies background comes into play a lot is figuring out like, how can I communicate this in the best way possible that they understand my intention um, behind this, why they understand why this is important, um, why they how they can understand um, that this is you know, a firm boundary or that this is, you know, something that is not ideal, but that we will pivot um, and make it happen. So sometimes uh, a brilliantly worded email is a love language. And uh, we have some folks on our team who are really excellent at that. And I am always learning from them. But uh, I think that that's one thing that I would have never really guessed in my collegiate years. But I mean, use that jacks.sdstate.edu email and make those emails good because uh, it's going to come into play later when you're sending, you know, 50 a day. So 50 a day. Wow. That, that is... would that would be a big day. Let me okay. just say that's not an average day, but it, that would be a big day. Uh, maybe if I had no meetings and a lot of clients <laughs> reaching out, but. Wow. Yeah. I, one thing that they talk about in a lot of the like intro classes is how to write a good email and. Mm -hmm myself as a freshman I was like okay cool I get that we need to write professional emails but why is there so much emphasis on this mm -hmm. clearly it's a big deal especially when you're communicating with a lot of different entities absolutely yes yep underrated skill for sure going back and touching on SDSU and your partnership mm -hmm. with them you talked about how mm -hmm. this is a three-year process mm -hmm. and a lot of growth from mm -hmm. one year to the next and sometimes it's hard to be patient to see all of those results. Mm. So how, what advice do you have for students on how to take time and step back and trust the process kind of that mm -hmm. things will get themselves sorted out? Yeah, great question. I have to admit about myself that I was the student who had the color-coded four-year plan and the friends would come to me and say, Hey, Alex, can you look at the catalog and help me with my four-year plan and color code it? I was also an orientation leader um, during the summer between my freshman and my sophomore year. So really got an insight into the academic planning and academic success um, kind of realm at SDSU. So I was the person that was not patient. And instead, I just was like, if I'm not going to be patient, I'm at least going to have a plan. Uh, so I really did. Um, though I really hated having to take that geography 131 with lab uh, to accomplish the science credits. Like, sorry to the geography department, not my strength. Um, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask about patients in undergrad years. But I would say that my advice would be to remember that even if you think I'm never going to use this, you still might. 
I remember thinking in my analytics class, for example, I'm never going to use this. This is not my strength. This is not the types of jobs I'm going to apply for. I don't want to be doing this on the day-to-day. But at the same time, when I did undergraduate research and then when I did my thesis for my master's, I had to do that research, not necessarily saying that I was in depth doing analytical research. But now when my team is coming forward and presenting those types of results, I can at least interpret to the level in which I need for um, my team to be successful if I'm kind of translating that or if for some reason one of our marketing gurus was sick and couldn't present their own um, kind of results and I had to interpret the results that they'd gathered and kind of share it with the client in a way that made sense um, to just be flexible enough to do so. So even if you're not going to become an expert at something in one of your classes or in a project, even if that's not going to be your explicit niche, there is still value in learning a little bit about it. You referenced earlier the jack of all trades. And I was kind of like thinking to myself, I'm like, I really don't feel like that. But I guess it is kind of true in terms of not that I want to execute on a lot of things, but I know a little about a lot of things. And I think there's value in even knowing just a little. So if you're feeling impatient, at least kind of have a moment where you're like, what little thing can I learn and take away from this um, that will benefit me professionally going forward? And I also think like learning what you don't want to do is equally as important as learning what you do want to do. No one wants to get into their their first job post-grad and apply for something because it has the word advertising in the title or the word marketing in the title or the word communications in the title and then sit down and you know go through their their first few weeks and see kind of what their role is going to look like and go oh no this is not what I wanted to be doing nobody wants to do that and honestly your employer doesn't want you to do that either um we employ the traction model here at ClickRain, which is having the right people in the right seats doing the right work and so everyone at ClickRain would say this, I would say this, I am not meant to be in many of those seats. But learning that I didn't want to do that was also equally as important um, for me kind of finding this path uh, to the account service team and um, working on those, you know, client communications, project timelines, budgets, um, reviewing work and finding, you know, ways to make sure that the client's vision is interpreted well, being a part of a great brainstorm, you know, estimating how long I think it's going to take for our team to get from point A to point B. Um, all of those are, you know, little little bits and pieces that I've learned along the way. Um, so I would say learn as much as you can, figure out what you like and what you don't like, uh, and that will help you find your path. Alex tried to start off this question by saying she didn't have a lot to talk about because she's not <laughs> the most patient. And then she gave such a gorgeous answer, <laughs> covered so many different aspects that are, I think, really tangible for students to use right now. Um, sometimes there are those classes you're taking when you're like, this is not what I'm most excited to do for the day, but look for that little thing that you're going to use in the future potentially, or how it can even help you right now talking to other classmates and professors and some other great advice kind of hidden beneath everything talked about teamwork on Mm -hmm. a down low kind of aspect about taking all those different parts and finding out how they work together and using very beautifully worded emails to communicate some 
things that could be great and sometimes a little bit more challenging. So just lots of great advice that you shared um, to just help students now. And before mm -hmm. we head off, is there any other advice you'd like to share with students or recommendations that they can do now to help them in the future? Big piece of advice is to immerse yourself in all of the new and emerging things that are coming to digital marketing. So again, learning even just a little bit about a lot of things is helpful. I mean, we just had the Super Bowl happen this month. So watch those commercials, do some Google searches to see which ones were successful, which ones created, you know, buzz online, um, look into AI and how AI is impacting the digital marketing space. Um, join a remote webinar and just learn a little bit about something that you aren't learning about in classes or maybe to supplement something that you are learning in classes. Be open to liking things more than you thought. I, when I started uh, my undergraduate research project, I thought, oh my, I am not a research person. Like this is not how my brain works. And I loved my undergraduate research and I loved presenting it at a regional and a national level and talking about it and how I did market research for the Department of Health um, as they talked about e-cigarettes and e-cigarette cessation um, and talking about how that was impacting their campaigns. Do I do market research in my day-to-day -day job now? No, I don't. But when our team presents market research findings, am I a person that feels really qualified to read through their research, poke holes, ask questions, refine, review in depth? Absolutely, because I have that background. I didn't think I was going to like research, but I liked it more than I thought. And I continued to do more and more of it in my master's program. When it came to the time to do a thesis or a project as a part of my master's program, did I choose to do a thesis and do more in-depth research? No, I did not. I created a college class instead. Uh, so just be open to the things where you think you may not like it and see what can I get from this regardless. Um, apply, 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 apply to internships. When you get to the point where you're applying to jobs, apply to a lot of them. Do a lot of YouTube and TikTok research on questions to ask in interviews, things to consider as you enter the workforce. Um, but really, my biggest piece of advice is to make the most of it. As I said, my four and then six with my master's years at SDSU were, and not to be cheesy, magical and very transformative for me as a young woman and as a young professional. My relationships with the faculty and staff at SDSU uh, have been critical as I've grown into my role and even worked more with SDSU these last couple of years. It has felt felt very full circle. I was a dorky kid on campus. I was the one who liked to make connections with my professors. I was in student government, you know? And so not to say that you shouldn't enjoy all of the fun that comes with college, absolutely. Um, but also realize that things you do now set you up for future success and your future self will thank you for all of the things that you're doing now. So make the most of it, have your fun, magical transformative time wish that i could transport myself back um, but also very very grateful for all the lessons that sdsu and specifically um, the school uh, of communication and journalism taught me and i will hold it in my heart forever this podcast is the property of the school of communication and journalism at south dakota state university which reserves all rights to its use 
Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.